is it right for me to come and study instruments and write music for instruments that are predominantly written by people of different color so i think that's a stupid thought that i ever had and uh, i i i wish i never had that because we are in a global culture right now our skills should not be defined by this the you know the color of our of our skin our geographical location anybody is welcome to learn yoga from the west as much as anybody from the east is welcome to learn western classical music you are listening to trinity college london's music podcast with me francesca christmas director of music in this series i meet composers and arrangers from around the world to talk about their contributions to the broad range of music in the 2023 piano syllabus Scotland-based composer, performer, educator and audio engineer, known for respectfully blending cultural and traditional ideas with contemporary musical styles. He has been a contributor not only to our piano books, but also to the recent clarinet and singing books, and he has a very busy teaching practice and recording schedule. I'm very grateful he's taken time out to talk to me today. Let me introduce you all to Amit Anand, composer, performer and engineer. Hello everybody and this is very exciting. Thank you for such a lovely introduction Francesca. Amit, I feel like I know you already because I have looked at, heard, played so many of your pieces before, but it's actually the first time we get to chat. So this is a real treat Indeed. to hear about how you contribute to so much of Trinity's um, musical outputs. Before we start looking at the pieces, I wonder if you might just tell us a little bit about yourself and what your musical day-to-day -day looks like. Every musician agrees that uh you know things don't repeat i mean every day is so dynamic so varied um so i couldn't say that i'm doing the same thing except for of course composing but um yeah on an average uh, in a week i am busy teaching uh, that is i love teaching and i've got students who come uh, to my residence and also online um i teach them piano i teach them music composition music theory um all all you know forms of music making and music creation really originally i'm i'm born in a town called hasan so this is in india it's in south of india uh but I, most of my schooling was in a city which is uh, uh quite a popular city for you know uh, it uh, people and it's bangalore uh, a lot of uh, my friends are into it so bangalore is the it hub of uh, india so i did my schooling there as um, everybody else in india in bangalore especially i did continue to uh, study engineering but uh, that was only because my my parents wanted me to have a backup option and not rely completely on music we can talk about that later mm -hmm. uh, but yes having done that it was always my um, it was it was my dream to study music at a uk conservatoire Uh, I didn't know about conservatories back then. I knew that you know I wanted to study in universities, um, so I was applying, and uh, very thankfully I was selected at the Royal Conservatory of Scotland. So from uh, from twenty fifteen, I've been um, you know living in Scotland, Glasgow. It's a lovely country, lovely city, and I love the people here. Uh, had a great time at the conservatory, the Royal Conservatory of Scotland, where I studied. uh bachelor's of music in composition uh, so i'm a 
I'm a graduate composer from RCS. Um, and from 2015, I've been living here and I've been you know, writing for a lot of ensembles, etc. But over the last two years, since I've been writing for Trinity's, uh, I, my, my first educational piece, I must say, was uh, the Trinity's clarinet syllabus. So I did. I wrote a piece for the initial grade and grade three. And since then, uh, this journey in the field of uh, music education, um, I, I must say, has been uh, flourishing. That's lovely to hear. I'm delighted to hear that. We'll have a lot of teachers, parents, students who are living, working in Bangalore at the moment. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about your musical influences when you were a child. What was what was the music around you? What were you listening to? Um, it. I started playing an instrument. Uh, it's a percussion instrument called tabla. Um, it's a wonderful instrument, and you know. And my father was a very uh, renowned tabla artist in in the town. Uh, Hassan and uh, I think that's the instrument that I grew up with that's the music I grew up with so tabla is a percussion instrument that usually accompanies um, you know uh, Hindustani uh, vocalists or instrumentalists Hindustani music is one of the two forms of uh, Indian classical music the other one is uh, Carnatic classical music so from my father's side, my upbringing, uh, I mean, I was exposed to Hindustani classical music and because his mother, with my grandmother, was also a great exponent of that art form. And uh, on the other hand, um, as far as my mother is concerned, she was she had trained in Carnatic classical music. So wow. right from the beginning, I had uh, an exposure to both these amazing, intricate, uh, you know, very developed art form, uh, musical art forms, so the Carnatic and Hindustani. I would say those were my primary influences, not consciously, mm -hmm. not actively, very subconsciously, because my my parents were both active performers in that town, Hassan. But just to continue on that, my father, uh, it just didn't end there. My father was also very interested he, he 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 could play guitar and he was playing chords and singing a lot of john denver elton john eric clapton uh -huh. uh, stevie wonder yeah. um and and he I, I i recollect him telling us stories of uh, i mean now we are in the era of spotify on demand whatever i want i can ask siri or amazon to play a song for me but I know that he had to go go lengths to listen to. There was a Ceylon radio, and then he would that would be streamed from Sri Lanka. And then there was a one week, and he would listen to all the songs and go to Bangalore to collect records, so etc. Anyway, um, so on the other hand, apart from the classical forms of music, my father was singing all these uh, Western pop, jazz, uh, classical. He was he was playing these things, so. I think all this was, um, my house was a melting pot of, let's say, various genres or various art, musical uh, uh, art forms, yeah. Before we go on to talk about the your pieces for the piano books, I'd love to just hear a little bit about the influences you draw on in your compositions. I introduced you as somebody who blends different musics from different cultures and traditions in their composing. Could you 
just tell us a little bit about that. My upbringing, as I said, um, Indian classical music is based on um, what we call as ragas. I mean, they are, uh, it's a foundation um, for a musician to explore. Uh, so ragas are, it would be, I would be doing injustice if I called ragas as scales because scales are linear arrangement of notes from one pitch to another pitch. But ragas are much more than that. Ragas are not just defined by how the notes, how the frequencies are arranged, but also how to use those frequencies, what combinations um, work. You can, for example, you can have a, you can have a raga that has, uh, you know, do, re, mi, fa. So you can have a, you can have a major scale. I was thinking what, which raga to choose, but you can have a major scale, <laughs> but there could be, two or three ragas coming from that major scale just based on how we are using the notes um, and how, how we go from one note to another. So that is, um, I use that as a foundation for my melodic exploration, which is the horizontal unfolding of my composition. Um, and when it comes to um, the Western classical music, I mean, I would I. I think we're we're right now in an era where Western classical music is such a narrow term. Um, we could say harmonic music, or uh, we need to find another term for that. Um, because, but let's say, yeah, uh, Western classical music, as we know, that developed in uh, the European countries in 1617, starting from Bach. Let's put it that way. Um, that. The, the, there is an immense knowledge um, there to help me unfold my music vertically. In other words, um, adding harmonies to that. Um, so that in a way provides um, a great, uh, you know, landscape, soundscape for me to experiment with. So melodically, you can hear um, my Indian background and harmonically, you can hear my exploration um, with uh, you know jazz or classical music or different cultures, um, rhythmically Indian music also is um, quite uh, um, quite intense or uh, you know it's got an immense wealth of uh, rhythmic uh, knowledge. You can have Carnatic classical music. They have kanukol and you you take a you know uh, idea in four four, but within a bar of four four, you can have an entire micro universe of different time signatures so <laughs> so all these all these are uh, important and you can you can hear these influences in my compositional outputs that's a lovely explanation i really like your your model of sort of unfolding the music in the linear and then unfolding it horizontally i love that sort of as a as a picture for yeah. your composing process that's really interesting i imagine it's quite different though when you're arranging, which brings us quite neatly to the piano books, because you have um, arranged three pieces from us, three pop pieces of pop music. Um, and of course, there's a different job to do there, isn't there? The the, the sort of the foundation, the music yes, exists. Yes. So take us through a little bit um, about how you approach the arrangements for Piano 2023. I've written three arrangements, uh, one for grade one, uh, and the other one is for grade four and grade seven piano syllabus. The, the one I wrote for grade one is uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, pieces of music um, and by a very fam 
you know, famous artist, KT Malua. Um, it's Nine Million Bicycles, and um, it's a lovely piece. It's a lovely song. Um, the melody already exists, and um, you're not just arranging, but slightly altering the structure of the piece because, again, as I said, there are limitations when it comes to grade one. Um, and so you have to have the entire piece, uh, you know, for the duration of within within about 50, 40 to 50 seconds, but the whole song is um, three minutes long. But then one thing that comes comes to our rescue is that pop songs are quite repetitive, so you don't have to use all the material, and sometimes materials repeat. So when you when you take the entire value of the song, it is sometimes you're able to successfully fit it in the 40 to 50 seconds duration. Um, and I chose this song in, upon consultation with the experts at Trinity uh, because the melody was quite simple. It was all within an octave. Um, and it was easy for uh, grade one fingers to move in, in that region of the keyboard. Um, you also have to think about the key signature. So I remember that I had to alter the key signatures because there were some accidentals that were fitting better in F major key signature as opposed to the C major key signature, which the song is originally written in, I suppose. But yeah, you have to make all these uh, decisions about what's the best uh, way to uh, write because notation is very important. Uh, it has to be friendly. It has to be easy to read. Mm -hmm. Pop songs have a lot of uh, syncopated rhythms um, and, and, and accents that are not necessarily on strong or weak beats, but they're, you know, on the quaver beats or sometimes on the semi-quaver beats. And you have to think about that for a grade one pianist because we are at grade le at grade one as a teacher. Um, my students who are doing grade one are are trying to understand the tie T, the dotted dotted crotchet rhythms, the syncopa titati or the syncopa rhythms. Um, so you have to make sure that the piece is um, congruous with what they're learning um, in their technical assessments, in, in their holistic development. Um, so sometimes we have to simplify the ideas, uh, but at the same time, we cannot compromise the original, the, the integrity of the original singer, songwriter. Um, so you are arranging... So it's not that you just take the the existing melody. For example, there are nine million bicycles in Beijing. So you cannot just take the entire song and copy the chords that the arranger of the original song has written. No, there's a lot of recomposing that we have to do structurally, harmonically, melodically, uh, choosing the best time signature, um, I mean, is 2-4 better or is 4-4 four, four better? Um, that's such an important consideration. And is the original tempo good or should it be slowed down a little bit? Um, key signatures, it has to be uh, the same key signature as their technical exercises. For example, in grade one, we are learning. Uh, I mean, I, I think as a teacher, as an examination board, Trinity wants their students to learn one sharp key and one, mm -hmm. one flat key. Uh, the associated minor and major scales with that. Um, so these are some of the considerations um, when you're thinking of arranging 
an existing piece of uh, pop song for um, for an examination purpose. So there's a lot of lot of thinking that uh, that goes into this. I think you also had a, a challenge on your hands because the three pieces that you picked are three really well known pieces by giants, giant female artists. Um, there's Nine Million Bicycles by Katie Merriwa, but then also Someone Like You by Adele and Falling by Alicia Keys, pieces that are so yes. well-known and so well-loved. And yeah. what struck me as I looked at and listened to your arrangements is that you have managed to capture the essence of those pieces so accurately you represent the sort of what's happening in the harmony what's happening in the texture what's happening in the band the orchestra it's all there but as you describe it's congruent it's coherent it makes sense it's pianistic it falls under your fingers how did you manage to pull all of that together into a grade seven piece or a grade three piece how did that work for you Yes, I think, uh, first of all, uh, is it right in saying that this is the first time Trinity is coming with uh, their syllabus, which features uh, pop music as well, isn't it? It's the first time that Trinity has pulled these new pathways into the classical and jazz syllabus. So there is a rock and pop syllabus that sits alongside it. But we are now in recognition that young people don't usually work in either or when it comes to musical styles and genres we're beginning to pull all of that together so yes it's the first time we are deliberately and overtly pulling and popular and contemporary styles with other styles into our classical and jazz syllabus i think i think that's a that's a great move and i'm very happy to have been a part of this um, this new syllabus and uh, it's exciting that a lot of different genres are making way into these books. And I think it's an important step. And thank you again for um, your appreciation towards my arrangements. Um, I think one of the challenges was that you you have to, um, when, when, when a student listens to the original piece and when a student plays the, the arranged piece for the exam, it is very important that they feel, yes, it is the song that I'm playing. Because what happens is sometimes we can oversimplify things to suit certain parameters and lose the uh, the the value of the piece. I mean, I've seen some arrangements where you realize it's not even close to the original song. So I think, first of all, it's important that we choose songs that are ideal for that particular grade that we're working on. So a lot of uh, time goes into choosing the songs. Um, I mean, that's the greatest task. I mean, if you get that right, then you get everything else. Um, it'll flow quite well from, from that step. Um, another thing that I really enjoyed, uh, my, my set of instructions from the experts was to make sure that the pieces are very pianistic. So one of the... Uh, one of the thoughts, one of the important considerations while arranging this was, what if uh, Beethoven wrote this piece? For example, when I was um, uh, arranging Falling by Alicia Keys, which is an amazing uh, piece, actually. There's a section towards the end where I actually imagined Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata, and uh, I, I took a bit of inspiration from those arpeggios, from those, from those uh, you know, octaves in the left hand, um, diminished chords. I, I, I messed around a little bit with the original harmonies because 
uh, in the original song, you have a set of harmonies that repeat um, throughout the song. So you don't see much of harmonic variations. But what I did in my arrangement, um, and again, for arrangers, their playground is the vertical, uh, um, you know, melodies, not the horizontal, because the horizontal is already done and decided for us by the singer songwriter. So where we can really shine is how we change the harmonies. And for teachers out there, um, I mean, as a composer, harmony is is a very strong. Um, I love harmony because I always talk about harmony to my students as a as a candy wrapper. You know, you can have a same candy but have different wrappers. Like Christmas version has a different wrapper, and an Easter version has a different wrapper. But inside is always the same same candy. So melody is like a candy, and that that is where we draw our happiness from you get that sugar from the candy but the wrapper is also important so harmony is that wrapper for a melody that is a chocolate and it really encapsulates the idea so i really uh, enjoyed uh, writing arranging falling because i was thinking how would beethoven play this piece if he was given how would he improvise and um and when it when it and the other one I did was for Grade 4, Someone Like You by Adele. Um, it's already, um, you know, the, the accompaniment for that piece, it's, it's written for voice and piano. So it's another challenge because um, how can you, what can you do with that? Because there's already a piano accompaniment. Dun, 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 dun. So that's like, you know, uh, um, the Alberti uh, bass sort of an accompaniment idea. Um, no, I changed that as well. I changed the left hand slightly to make it more pianistic, but also brought in the original ideas and also made sure that uh, a grade four um, uh, fingers could play play that piece because um, in the original piece, the, the, the singer is taking the melody line and uh, the pianist is accompanying the singer with chords um, and the pianist has his or her own independence to do what they want and the singer has their own independence but one of the greatest joys and at the same time one of the greatest difficulties of being a pianist is to you know as a solo pianist is to bring the melody and the harmony together um, in uh, you know in their fingers so they've got to do both the job so you have to think very differently because now the pianist is not just the pianist but is also the singer so a lot of considerations goes into this and um, you have to think of okay, how would Chopin write this because these are amazing composers who have who have in a way exploited the entire materials that you can write for piano. I mean, as a composer, sometimes it's quite depressing to think what's left when you look at these materials, when Chopin, Debussy, um uh beethoven beethoven's done i mean i'm record as an audio engineer one of my projects right now is to record 32 uh piano sonatas by beethoven and each one is so advanced compared to his previous works i mean when you look at it from in a chronological order i'm sitting there as a i mean doing my job as an engineer and sitting there as a composer thinking what's left for me to do i mean these these legends have have done it all but that's where um, that's where it is very important for Trinity and 
you know, and other examining bodies and other composers to take ideas from different cultures because that's where the ideas right now are. Um, so that that's why I think this syllabus is incredibly important because you are thinking about Japan. Let's say I'm not saying uh, you know let's let's take Japan for example, but you're thinking about Japan through the eyes of through through the music of Alicia Keys. You're thinking about Beethoven through the music of Alicia Keys. You're thinking about Debussy through the music of Elton John, and this this combination is is going to result in something wonderful that probably we've never heard before beautiful description of what we are aiming to do with these books thank you Amit it's really it's lovely to know that that's understood and that you um you sense sort of the the development of the books um as through your role as a a, a contributor listening to when you wake up in the morning what do you put on in the car when you're driving to your gig what what are the musical influences around you at the moment as a composer i feel that composers nowadays are a blend of identities they're a blend of cultures they're a blend of traditions and it is important that we embrace cultures traditions because we are now in 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 an era of artificial intelligence We've got competitors, not just another human composer who is a competitor for us, but we've also got computers and machine learning languages who are competitors to, to artists. It's a very important question for us teachers and composers and performers. How can we thrive um, in this uh, current world where machines have the possibility, I will never agree to that, but let's say they have the possibility to overtake our uh, artistic abilities. Now, machines can only interpret a certain data. So you ask a machine to learn, you know, process all Beethoven's compositions and compose like Beethoven. Beethoven. So the machine can do that. But what machine can't do is, is, your, is interpret your experience of embracing different traditions and cultures. And for me, I feel I'm privileged because I have exposure to, um, you know, uh, because of my interest in cultures, I have exposure to different cultures and traditions and ideologies. I'm not sticking to a particular belief. I'm not sticking to a particular genre, to a particular composer, to a particular sound world. Um, as a musician, I, it is important for me to explore all these traditions and cultures. And what what that shapes uh, you know in me as a composer is far 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 more advanced and better than any machine can do so that that goes back to saying that you know do not stick to one particular identity um i i was thinking i'm from india you know i'm 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 a i'm a person of a particular color and is it right for me to come and study instruments and write music for instruments that are predominantly written by people of different color. So I think that's a stupid thought that I ever had. And uh, I, I, I wish I never had that because we are in a global culture right now. Our skills should not be defined by uh, this, the, you know, the color of our, of our skin, our geographical location. 
Anybody is welcome to learn yoga from the West as much as anybody from the East is welcome to learn Western classical music, as we used to call it. But right now we are in a global culture, so um, it's an era of multiple identities. Um, so enjoy creating music and do not think that, do not ever question if it's right for you to learn an instrument that is not um, inherently part of your culture. They're such important words, Amit, and I think that your experience is probably not singular, that there are other young people, other children who don't know whether they have a right to learn a particular instrument or a particular music. And actually, the thing that will change that are composers like you being part of what might have been, uh, what might have been once upon a time, an inherently Western white artefact written by composers from the West and the fact that you and um, many other composers from different parts of the world are now an important part of these books and these syllabuses. That's what breaks that, uh, that set of traditions, I think, and is very, very important. Yeah, yeah. it's an idea that I struggled with quite yeah. you know, profoundly at the start of my uh, semester. But um, I was, with the help of my teachers, I was able to overcome that fear of identity, let's say. Yeah, that's a really important um, thing to model to other young people. You know, being able to get, you know, whether or not, whether or not you as a young person should have felt like that, the setup that we have at the moment, or certainly that we had when you started learning, made you feel like that. And somebody of your um, uh, success modeling how that can be challenged and changed to other young people is it's so it's so important Amit and one of the reasons I'm so glad you could come and talk about this and and you know be part of our part of the podcast because you know that's that's how you make the change happen isn't it So, Amit, we are going to have teachers from all over the world listening to you today. What would you like to leave them with? What word of inspiration, reflection, word of advice would you like to leave um, our audience with? Um, thank you to all the teachers who've tuned into this from all around the world. It's been a pleasure talking to Francesca about my journey and about my, my offerings to Trinity College of London's publications and their new, new syllabus. And my word of advice is um, to explore um, composers like me. And there are, there are many others who are, who are doing a wonderful job in, in um, diversifying uh, music um, and also encouraging students to do that. And um, making sure that these students are all walking out of their lessons with a smile on their face. It's okay that if your student comes back from the exam, having gotten just a merit and not a distinction, and it's completely fine. It's not the end of the world. Um, the way I look at music teaching is when uh, it's a very sad thought, maybe, but um, I, I'm, I'm teaching music to, to young people, not because I want music to be, you know, not because I want them to benefit from it immediately. The power of music is very subtle and it's, 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 it is acting at a very subconscious level. So you might find that your student is 
perhaps at the moment not responding to your instructions or is not as brilliant as the student who is about to come next. But one thing that your lessons are going to do is power this, this human and music becomes a very important companion in their old age. So even if they are not responding or not getting good grades, please stick to them because when they are in their old age, when all other distractions have vanished, they suddenly realize that music is one of the best companions that they've had throughout their life. And then give them the ability, give them the power, make them musical literates with patience. And when they're in their 70s and 80s, they're gonna think of you for, for you, for having taught them the power of sight reading, for having taught them the power of enjoying and appreciating music, because when they're sitting there on their sofa, just all by themselves, they're going to love every single moment of, you know, of their lives then. So music is a great, great companion. And unfortunately, it is a very subtle force. And usually they start feeling the importance of it, not immediately, but down the line. So we all teachers need to be patient and, um, and you know, deal with it on a daily basis. I know sometimes it can be frustrating to be teaching middle C all over again, every single lesson, but don't worry, they'll get there one day. <laughs> like me, I imagine a lot of teachers are now wondering where they can go and hear your music, Amit. And we know that they can hear, hear it in the clarinet books, in the singing books and in the piano books. But in the meantime, where can they go and find more of your music to listen to? Um, I would recommend YouTube. I think that's the best place. You can look for me, uh, Amitanan Music on YouTube. Um, there's a website that's, um, that's getting ready, that's getting designed, uh, amitanandmusic.com. So that's A-M-I-T-A-N-A-N-D music.com. Um, I'm quite um, active on Instagram. Um, there's a lot of um, reels that I make about and all the rants that I do. So if you like that, um, just please, please uh, find me on Instagram. Again, Amit Anand Music. Um, yep, and I would love to see your comments and uh, please get in touch with me. Um, if you'd like to ask me some questions about the pieces I've written for Trinity, um, if you'd like to get an idea about my you know, thought process or what to, what to expect from that particular phrase, what I'm looking for, uh, it will bring immense joy to me knowing that there is a student out there who is uh, who is learning my piece and is bringing joy to the teacher and to the students. There is an offer. Get in touch and, and connect with Amit on Instagram. Prepare yourself, Amit. You may find a deluge of posts over the next few days as people try and get in touch with you. But what a lovely offer. How exciting for our, our community of teachers and learners. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Francisca, and to the entire team.